And hello everyone and welcome to our program. I'm Vic Batista along with Nathan Jones and it's great to be here with every one of you as we're going to be talking about a very exciting topic, the second part of a subject matter that we talked about last week and it has to do with, of course, biblical prophecy, but a course in biblical prophecy and today we titled the Biblical Prophecy Course 101 for beginners. So those of you that are tuned into the program, I hope that you will be blessed today with our subject matter. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if you will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to get to the, the basics when it comes to Bible prophecy, to understand the terms and, and uh, Lord, the, just the foundation of the whole prophetic word. I thank you, Lord, for the creativity you've been choosing this topic, and I pray for a great blessing on all those who returned it in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nathan Jones. Again, a course in Biblical Prophecy, as we talk about Biblical Prophecy 101. Uh, Nathan Jones, very exciting topic. Last week, we were talking about this subject matter, and uh, it was really exciting because you took us through a wonderful, uh, a wonderful chapters and also uh, resources uh, from Christ in Prophecy that you talked to us about because you've done a, a number of articles on Biblical Prophecy. Well, hopefully a lot more than that. Here in my ministry, we've got uh, 40 years worth of Bible prophecy teaching right. from our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan. I've been on the staff for 11 years as web minister and associate evangelist. And so, yes, uh, we have a plethora, I love that word, plethora of materials <laughs> on our website at landline.com or christinprophecy.org. Of course, we have our television show, Christ in Prophecy, which is in its 16th season right now. And uh, many articles, social network groups, newsletter. Uh, free magazines like the Landlighter. We offer that all on our website at landline.com or christinprophecy.org. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because for anyone that's interested in learning biblical prophecy, that is one of the places to go. Uh, I mean, that's a long time, Nathan, that you guys have been, uh, again, talking about the subject matter. Some people will say, really? Is there that much to talk about Bible prophecy? I thought it was just the end time left behind movies, and that's it. <laughs> Well, I think Tim Lang stretched those over the course of what, like 15 books? So right. there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and it's not just the seven year tribulation to come. I mean, Bible prophecy covers, uh, you know, for instance, 300 prophecies, uh, general prophecies, 109 distinct prophecies about Jesus' first coming. That's amazing. There's 500 verses in the wow. Old Testament, or excuse me, prophecies in the Old Testament, and 125 verses in the New Testament which prophesies Jesus' second coming. So 31% of the Bible is Bible prophecy. So God wants us to know about what will come. And that's the answer. Is Jesus wins, so we win as well. That's all Bible prophecy in the show. Nathan, that's a very good point. And again, we share this because maybe there's someone out there that is new and they think the only thing they know about uh, prophecy is the end times. But we come to find out there is a lot more, a lot more uh, in the Bible and also terms that will really help encourage and bless you, uh, our listeners, and those of you that are viewing the program. Uh, Nathan, I understand that those of us have been teaching and studying biblical prophecy for a long time. Sometimes we throw a lot of terms out there that to some people, it might go right over their head, over their heads. Like us Christians, we all oftentimes throw the term around, saved, I'm saved, and someone that doesn't really know these terms or it's not really a Christian, they go, saved. Uh, what are they talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Uh, 
call it Christianese, it's our own language, a language that either derives from the Bible or a language that we created over the centuries to describe certain aspects of theology. Uh, faith is definitely one of them. I, I don't know how many times I've said the rapture and I get to yeah. go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does that mean? Don't use that Christianese word, so brother, you're absolutely correct. Yes, and, and we have a tendency uh, among us Christians to talk about this, and sometimes we forget that there's other individuals out there who maybe are born again, baby Christians. There's people out there that maybe uh, know, uh, have only heard terms about uh, biblical prophecy, and uh, they're not very familiar with a lot of the terms that we use. So Nathan, that's why you and I today in our program, we're going to take some time uh, to talk about these terms and clarify these terms so that someone out there that is interested in biblical prophecy will have a better handle in what we're talking about. Nathan, talk to us about eschatology. What is that? Well, eschatology is definitely a theological word. You won't find that in the Bible. There's no now let's say it's eschatology anything like that. <laughs> but it's, it's a study. It's a, it's a study of Bible prophecy. In other words, a study yeah. of what the Bible has to say about the future. So that is pretty simple. Like dermatology is the study mm -hmm. of the skin. Or amyardiology yes. is another theological word. Is the study of sin. You've got eschatology, the study of Bible prophecy. Hey, so if you're a teenager, you have pimples. Nathan, you just talked about that dermatology there. <laughs> yes, every teenager at one point in their life remembers dermatology, the study of the skin. So eschatology, the study of Bible prophecy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan. That is wonderful. And that is, of course, that study of the, of the end times, those things that you and I are talking about. Nathan, another term that oftentimes is, is talked a lot about is the millennium. Can you talk to us about that? Define that for us. So what, what exactly is that? Well, you'll find millennium actually in the Bible, and that is, a, especially in Revelation 20, there are six references to millennium. Millennia, milla is the Latin for a thousand. So when you say millennium, you're talking about a thousand years. Yeah. So what does that mean? In context, go to Revelation 20, and we learn that the reign of Jesus Christ physically on this earth, when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns mm -hmm. uh, from Jerusalem over a people who uh, love him and follow him, at least in the beginning of that millennia, that thousand years, it's a kingdom. That begins with Jesus Christ returning, yeah. defeating Satan, his minions, the Antichrist, and false prophet, and then starting a kingdom on earth, all believers, and then they will have children, and Satan will be released at the end of that thousand years, mm -hmm. and their children get to choose Christ or not, and sadly many of them will follow Satan, one last rebellion against Jesus. So that's the bookend, the beginning of Jesus' return to defeat evil, and then the end of the millennial kingdom is Jesus, Jesus finally for all, forever, the people. That is a uh, that is fantastic, and of course, like you mentioned, that is a term that is a, a period of time, right? Nathan, a thousand years, and those are literal. Right, it's a literal thousand years. Now, some people try to spiritualize the, the return of Christ, the kingdom of Christ. Say, well, he's ruling through the church. Oh, yeah, that is true. True, he, he reigns sovereignly. He reigns through the church. He he, he reigns over the universe. But an actual physical reign on what the Bible says, the throne of David, that is promised many times throughout the Bible. Excellent. And that's what we're waiting for, the physical return of Jesus Christ to physically rule and reign over the entire earth mm -hmm. from Jerusalem. I love that. Thousand years. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Nathan. So again, we've talked about we've talked about eschatology, millennium. Nathan, what about the second coming? That's another thing. Sometimes people get confused over uh, what exactly is that all about? Well, the second coming is the return of Jesus. Jesus said, end the Bible in Revelation three times. He says, behold, I am coming quickly. In other words, when he comes, it will happen real fast. Three times. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And Jesus ascended to heaven. Acts 1, the angels looked at the apostles and said, hey, he's coming back the same way you're seeing. Well, yeah. he went up in the clouds. He's coming back down uh, from the clouds. And so that's what we're anticipating. That is probably the most prolific prophecy in the entire Bible, the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is very encouraging as well. The Lord went to heaven to be with his Father, and he says he is uh, coming back. I love that. So we have there the second coming. Again, for those of you that maybe are not familiar with these terms, hopefully we're educating you so that you can have a better understanding uh, of biblical prophecy. Nathan, there's another uh, term that is used out there. Uh, Post-millennialism. Uh, Post-millennialism. What, what exactly are we talking about there? What is that? Well, let's go back to the millennium. We interpret it as the thousand years, a literal thousand years of Jesus ruling and reigning. Six times in Revelation 20, it says a thousand years. Well, there are those who interpret the Bible not literally like you and I do, right. but they spiritualize the Bible. They don't look at that thousand years and say, well, that's not a thousand years. That's just an indefinite time period. And uh, it's an unfortunate interpretation, but it's created quite a number of different views about the kingdom of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned one of those, and that's post-millennialism. It's the view that the church will eventually conquer the world. Everybody will become a Christian one day, and then Jesus will return and will hand the keys of the kingdom, so to speak, back over to Jesus. It was a real popular view, actually, in the 18th and 19th century up until World War One, mm -hmm. And then after World War One, the, the devastation was so terrible, uh, the people realized, hey, wait, the world isn't getting better, it's getting worse, yeah. and it kind of died. But we're seeing it, and just in the last few uh, decades, a resurgence of post-millennialism, as many churches are abandoning the literal interpretation of the Bible, the thousand-year millennial kingdom, and instead replacing it with the view that the church will one day conquer the world for Jesus Christ. Mm, excellent point. And, and that's why we're clarifying, Nathan, because this way individuals can look around and say, hey, what, what is going on? Is, is the world actually getting better or getting worse? Or does it line up with what the Bible says? And that brings us to a, a, another term that is used. You talked to us about post-millennial. What about premillennialism? Well, premillennialism is the view that you and I would take. It's based on the literal interpretation of the Bible. It's a belief in a literal 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ upon this earth. I love that. And I love the, the, what you mentioned, Nathan, that that is our view. We understand and we respect that there are different views out there. And we're not to divide ourselves over that. But we do believe uh, in what is called premillennial. And, uh, you know, we, we are, we're, we're very secure uh, in that belief. Would you agree, Nathan? I do. I've, I've been studying Bible prophecies since I was a little kid. And I've got many great respected teachers like our own Dr. Reagan, Absolutely. Dr. Ron Rhodes, John Walmart, and uh, Roy Zook, many others who are great pillars of the faith, very learned men, multiple doctorate degrees, and they have sifted through the information that Victor and I have, yeah. and we weigh the arguments, we weigh the evidence. I, I don't want to bias myself towards a particular view. I want the Bible to teach me what it has yeah. to teach me. 
and I believe from all my studies, the Bible teaching in a literal 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ physically on this earth. Yeah, and Nathan, I'm always blessed because of the impact that certain individuals have had on this world. I also believe, uh, like you and I, in premillennial. I mean, I think of Billy Graham, I think of Chuck Smith, I think, right? All these men that, that passed on, of course, but we see their ministries, and that was part of their core beliefs, just in case someone out there wasn't familiar with that. Right, it, it's, it's the Bible warns against private interpretation, and that's really where we get to another term that's amillennialism. You talked about postmillennialism and premillennialism, but let's talk about amillennialism. A, when you put it in front of a word, means the opposite, it means no. So if it's A, means no, it means no millennia. And there's another, that's the view that, again, there's no millennial kingdom, and it also denies that the church will get bigger and eventually take over the world. It's just that the world goes on as it is, and then one day, boom, Jesus comes back, he has judgment, and we move on to the eternal state. There's no millennial kingdom whatsoever, no rule of Jesus Christ apart from Jesus ruling through the church. It's a very spiritualized view. In other words, it, it doesn't interpret the Bible literally, and unfortunately, it makes those who adhere to that interpretation their own God, so to speak. They yeah. interpret the Bible in whatever way they want to interpret. Everything has a spiritual meaning. Nothing is literal in the Bible. And you can make up whatever interpretation you want. So you'll see this view very much supported by the liberal denominations and liberal teachings, but sadly, it has crept into the church, especially the conservative denominations in this day and age, uh, who have given up on the return yeah. of Jesus Christ and just expect one day they will happen and they don't care about the details. Sure. And again, uh, Nathan, like you and I are saying, that, that this is something that, you know, it's different uh, views, but we, we take the Bible literally. We also uh, use common sense. In a sense, how is that you say when there's no other sense? I, you, got, you have a saying that I love. <laughs> oh, if the plain sense makes sense, don't, don't look for any other sense unless you end up with nonsense. I love it. That's the golden rule of biblical interpretation. Absolutely. The plain sense makes sense to look for any other sense, unless you end up with nonsense. Nonsense, yeah. In other words, Nathan, as we study biblical prophecy, we don't check our, check our brains out of the door. Certain things, we have to look around and say, hey, you know, uh, some people uh, have different teachings. Like the next thing that we're going to talk about is uh, a term that is found in Matthew uh, 24, uh, 21. So maybe, Nathan, you can take us there and read that verse for us in case someone... Uh, doesn't have a Bible, uh, they can follow along and see that actually some of these terms are found in the Bible. Matthew uh, 24, verses 21. Oh, great chapter. Anybody really wants to get the Bible prophecy, Matthew 24 and its parallels, Luke 21 and Mark 13 are uh, chock full of end time Bible prophecy. Mm -hmm. Jesus was preaching about this in verse 21. He said, For then there will be great tribulation, right. such as not been since the beginning of the world, until this time no nor ever shall be. Ooh, so Nathan, the tribulation, uh, what exactly is that all about? Well, here's a term uh, that's often abused because we're told that in our lives as Christians, we will face tribulation. Right. In other words, we will face trials, we'll be persecuted by Satan because obviously he hates Jesus, he hates mm -hmm. his followers, or we'll be persecuted by man because, as Paul said, we're the stench of death to those who are dying and don't have Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we'll face tribulations, but that's a little lowercase tribulation. Jesus here, even though in the text it's not capitalized, is a term that's been used now to explain the day of the Lord, or the day of wrath, the, the time of Jacob's trouble, as Jeremiah 31 7 says, capital 
tribulation, a yes. seven-year time period, as Daniel defines in Daniel 7, we, the last seven years, it will be divided in half, and it will be the worst time period in all of human history, as God pours down 21 judgments upon the world as a punishment to the world for its sin, but also to get the world on their knees yeah. and finally take Jesus seriously and accept him. Wow. So again, we see some of these terms actually in the Bible. Some of these are pretty uh, plain and simple for those that are reading through uh, the Word of God. And, and of course, there's a, there's a lot of players uh, in biblical prophecy. Nathan, another term that we find, another name is uh, that of the Antichrist. Talk to us about that. That's a term that also um, a lot of Hollywood, different things have been uh, uh, thrown in there with that name. Oh uh, yeah, Antichrist is running around a lot. It's, it's like uh, this way to the tribulation. Well, I have tribulation in lowercase, but there's a time period coming called the tribulation capital that is coming upon the world. The Antichrist, the Bible tells us there's many Antichrist, lowercase, in words, people who live and exist to thwart the efforts of Jesus Christ saving work on the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, think that if you call a Hitler and a type of Antichrist, yeah. you can call false prophets like Muhammad and Joseph Smith, Antichrist. But what the Bible says is Antichrist capital, as we read in Revelation and Peter and all, is a man who will one day rise to become the world ruler. We've seen today the world obsessed with a global government and a global ruler and a bring peace to the world. But the Bible prophesies that this man will be possessed by Satan and he will rule the earth for seven years. Excellent point. Nathan, again, so who is the Antichrist? Well, that is something that if you find that out, that means you've missed another event called the Rapture. We'll get into that later. Uh, If you're a Christian, you you will never know who the Antichrist is until we return with Jesus Christ at the second coming. So we can look at the way the world is going, as Bible prophecy predicts, and we can start seeing potential Antichrist. Uh, Satan doesn't know how Bible prophecy will end, so he's always had an antichrist in the wings. You know, at one point, you know, like I said, Hitler or Joseph Stalin or Mao, they've always had the potential to having uh, conquer the world. But this man will actually achieve it, and will achieve it through peace. The world will want him to help uh, bring peace to the world, and because the world will get in such a terrible predicament, and so he will rise to power. But he will be a servant of Satan. Satan, at one point in the middle of the tribulation, after through those seven years, will become possessed by Satan. And he's the guy that's prophesied that will bring terrible persecution on those who will get saved during the tribulation, as well as the Jews. You know, Nathan, thank you for clarifying that. And the reason why we talk a little bit about this, um, it's because we find today almost, uh, you, you hear uh, people everywhere, Christians, saying, oh, I think this person is the Antichrist, and they're looking for the Antichrist, and every new president that comes up, right? Uh, and, and, we, and we say to people, you made a very good point, listen, uh, you, if you're in the tribulation, <laughs> you know, but we don't anticipate being in the tribulation, so we're not going to know. Correct, yes. Well, we should not know. I mean, we see potentials. A lot of people for centuries said the Pope was the Antichrist, Right. will be, and I'm looking at Pope Francis, and he's the most anti-Catholic Pope ever. Absolutely. Should he be a false prophet character? We don't know. We really won't know. The, the tribulation event that happens after another event called the Rapture, which we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about Jesus 
rescuing his bride, the church, in other words, those who are saved, right. in Christ the Savior, off this earth before God pours his wrath out upon the world in the tribulation. Mm-hmm. So, brother, we'll, we won't get to know who the Antichrist is, but those who read the Bible after we've been raptured out will find out from Daniel yes. 9 that the Antichrist is the one who will be able to make a peace covenant with Israel. It'll be the first time in history that a peace covenant has made between the world and Israel, and that will identify who the Antichrist is. Excellent point. So, Nathan, also people uh, need to recognize that 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 other period that we talked about, that tribulation, begins when this Antichrist actually seals a peace treaty for seven years. Right, right. And we find out uh, in Revelation and 13 and all that he, halfway into the tribulation, three and a half years in, will break that treaty. He will go into a temple, the third temple the Jews haven't built it yet, but prophecy says it will be built. The Antichrist will go into the temple, he will desecrate it, likely sacrifice a pig on the altar. Mm-hmm. He will then set up an image of him, an idol, to be worshipped, yes. and he will declare himself to be God. Mm-hmm. That's how evil this person is. And then he will spend his kingdom persecuting those who get saved after the tribulation, who we call the tribulation saints, another word uh, term there, and also the Jewish people. And he will slaughter two-thirds of the Jewish people during that time period. And Nathan, that's fantastic. You define for us the tribulation, you define for us the Antichrist, you define for us the rapture, and it brings us to the next point, which is very good, and you kind of touched on it there, and it's actually Matthew uh, 24, uh, 15. Can you read for us that verse, Nathan, again, uh, so that as we're defining these terms in Matthew 24, 15? Sure. That reads, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. And that's another term there, the, the abomination of desolation. And you spoke to us a little bit about that. Right. The abomination of desolation is an act that the Antichrist will commit when he goes into the newly built, rebuilt Jewish temple and he desecrates it. Instead of being a temple made for the worship of God, mm-hmm. he will then turn it into a temple for the worship of himself and his master Satan. We saw this back in uh, a type of Antichrist with the tide of the Epiphanies back during the Greek Empire, yes. uh, about uh, 160 years or so before Jesus came and his first coming, where the Antiochus uh, Epiphanies uh, punished the Jewish people. He went into the rebuilt uh, Second Temple and he desecrated. He sacrificed a pig on the altar right. and he put a statue of Zeus up for the people to worship. And they fled out of the area. Verse 16 says that those who were in Judea flee the mountain. So history will repeat itself. The Antichrist is, will do just as Antiochus Epiphanes did. He will desecrate the temple by setting an abomination of desolation. And the Jewish people will flee into the mountains to hide from it. Excellent point. Thank you, Nathan. Again, you are, we're talking about a subject matter there of eschatology, biblical prophecy 101, if you will, a course in uh, biblical prophecy. We hope that those of you uh, have been uh, tuned in, watching and listening, and again, being educated, and hopefully this will help you understand uh, the Bible a little better. And Nathan, also, there's a few other terms, of course, that they are a little bit uh, 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 challenging for some and maybe needing a little clarification when you talk to us about the rapture but what about uh, these terms like post-tribulationalism can you talk to us a little bit about that alright well when it came to the millennial kingdom we just discussed premillennialism, post-millennialism and amillennialism so that's yes. about the thousand year millennial kingdom 
when we talk about pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, pre-wrath, or post-tribulation, it's talking about the seven-year tribulation. So it's not events related to the millennial kingdom, but events related to the timing of the rapture as it relates to the tribulation. Mm. Excellent point, and I'm glad that we're clarifying that because, again, these are terms that are used a lot in Christianese, in biblical prophecy, and some people out there might be wondering, what, what exactly is that all about? And Nathan, now, there's a new term, maybe it's not so new, but uh, what about pre-wrath? Familiar with that one? Well, there are, again, in those time periods, let's define first pre-tribulation. That is the belief that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. That's the view that you and I share, and many conservative Christians, Absolutely. that the rapture will happen before the wrath of God is sent to the earth. There are those who take a mid-tribulation view. They believe that the rapture will happen when the Antichrist desecrates the temple. We will be raptured three and a half years out of the earth and during the middle of the tribulation. Right. There's the post-tribulationists who believe that the, the church will be raptured when Jesus Christ returns. They uh, Jesus comes in the clouds, we get raptured, we do the you turn, we come back with him. Uh, that's a view that is uh, widely supported, but I don't believe as justifiable when you look at the argument for it. Now, the pre rap view is a, a newer view uh, by Martin, Martin Rosenthal and some others who believe that the rapture happens, say, three quarters of the way into the tribulation, right. just as the bold judgments are starting. So it's a, a newer view, it doesn't take the 21 judgments of Revelation say there are all the wrath of God. It says that the, the, the judgments, the first ones are from Satan and from man, and only the bold judgments, the last seven judgments are the wrath of God. Mm. Excellent. Thank you for sharing and clarifying. Again, the rapture, uh, post-tribulation, pre-wrath. Nathan, what about uh, pre-tribulation? Uh, you did talk to us a little bit, but that's more of our, our view. We talked about there's a difference be between post-tribulation and uh, pre-tribulation again. Right. The pre-tribulation rapture places the time of the rapture before the tribulation happens. That's right. It's not the event that starts the tribulation like some people uh, can get confused about. That's when the Antichrist desecrates the temple. Uh, excuse me, that's when the Antichrist does a, on the peace treaty with Israel and three and a half years later desecrates the temple. The post-tribulation rapture view again has the rapture at the end of the tribulation uh, when Jesus Christ comes back again. So is those views are all about the timing of the rapture. As you and I believe, uh, and through great study, believe that the rapture is an event that happens before the tribulation. Absolutely. Excellent point. And again, for those of you that have been uh, listening and watching, we hope that you've been blessed. And again, why are we sharing this? It's really to encourage you, to let you know that the Bible is real, that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and the importance of you having a real relationship uh, with him. There will be these time periods that the Bible talks about, these days of trouble. But for the Christian, those that have trusted in Christ Jesus, as Nathan Jones has shared with us, we will not be here for those terrible events. We believe that we're going to be raptured out because we have placed our trust in Jesus Christ. And if you have not placed that trust in Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? We're going to give an opportunity right now for you to place your trust in Jesus wherever you are, and then you can join us when the rapture occurred. Nathan, can you talk to that person, maybe that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, how they can start right now from wherever they are? Well, it's my turn to ask you now, Victor, to define a term. you got to define the term saved. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And of course, we oftentimes use that term, but it's someone that has trusted in Jesus Christ 
as the Lord and Savior. They believe that he died and rose from the dead. They place their faith, they trust in him. And by God's grace, God gives them eternal life. And you simply do that with a simple prayer, by faith, by saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, that you forgive me for my sins. And I want to invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. And again, as Nathan Jones been talking, you, you pray that prayer and you're snatched from the fires of, of eternal hell and you are on your way to a heaven uh, forever to be with Jesus. So that's being saved, Nathan Jones. <laughs> hey, great definition, <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Of course, for those of you that have been tuned in, we thank you for your time. Again, we talked about approximately 13 different terms. We talked about eschatology and millennium and second coming, uh, post-millennium, uh, pre-millennium, a-millennium, uh, the tribulation, the antichrist, the abomination of desolation, the rapture, post-tribulation, pre-wrath, and pre-tribulation. And Nathan Jones has a certificate of graduation for all of you. Right, Nathan? <laughs> But actually, we've had a lot of fun with this. Nathan, thank you so much. I know we ran out of time for this segment of the program. But again, thank you for defining these hard terms and making them simple. Praise the Lord. My thank you. And of course, for those of you that are tuning into the program, Dick Batista and Nathan Jones, we're saying goodbye. We ran out of time for this segment of the program. But hopefully, we'll catch you again next time as we talk about this wonderful subject matter of a course in biblical prophecy. Put it to use. Be good students of biblical prophecy. The Lord is coming soon. He loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Have a great day. Thank you, Nathan Jones, for being on the program as well.